Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John Searcy. Tonight's study will be in the Book of Romans. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. For more teachings, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. You may also contact Pastor John by email at thewayministries001 at gmail.com. Okay. Is everybody there? As a matter of fact, go to verse 21. Ephesians 4, verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And boy, do we know that it is. And you know, we try to take that old life and bring it into the new life, and it just makes a mess of our Christian walk. That's why God says you've got to get rid of it. There's nothing good in it. You can't improve it. It's got to die. And that's the process that he's doing as he sanctifies us, killing off the old sinful nature. Now look what it says. Instead of that, let, your, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So there's a removal and a replacement that has to take place. You have to remove the way you used to live, and then you have to renew your mind with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So two things have to take place. Then it tells us to put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now look what it says in verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. See, one thing when we come to church, okay, and we come to gather as a family, this is a different kind of a family. This is a family of God. We don't lie and we don't deceive each other anymore. We become transparent and we're honest with each other and we talk things over and we're one in union with each other. We no longer have to live a Christian life full of lies and deception. We can honest, be honest with ourselves. We don't have to put on a mask. We can just say, look, I'm not having a good day. Things ain't going right. I'm not happy right now. And that's fine. We just have to be real, though. We can't bring the old life into the new one. Lying is, what does it say? He, the, the, Jesus said, the devil is the father of lies. So if you find yourself always lying, then you know that the devil is controlling you. He's the father of lies. It says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Now look at verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Is anger in itself a sin? No. Letting anger control you is a sin. Why is that? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And all of us know, once anger sets in us and it starts coming out, ain't nothing holy coming out of our mouths. It gives a foothold to the devil. And people think that you're possessed when you're like turning green and spitting out pea soup. No, at that point in your walk, you are possessed by the devil because you can't control your tongue and all you are is spewing out evil. Amen? Amen? Now, it gives a foothold to the devil, so that's why we have to get hold of our anger. 
Now look what it says in verse 20. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Wow, that's, that's rocket science. Boy, I better go to my Bible college to learn how to do that. Instead, it says to do something instead, though, you see? One thing people do is they stop doing something, and they don't replace it with something good. Once you stop doing something bad, if you don't replace it with something good, seven more bad things are going to come and take over. You see, the Bible tells us clearly you have to replace it with something good. And this is what people fail to do. They, they give up their old things, and they don't replace it with the things of God. That's why he told you to remove them so you can replace it with his stuff. And if you don't do that, you're going to be miserable. The Bible is very clear on what it teaches us. Look what it says. Use your hands instead. Use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Now, is that always monetarily? No. Look, somebody in need. If somebody needs to hear about Jesus... You generously give of yourself to tell them about Jesus or your time if you want to go somewhere. You sacrifice what you want for what God would want you to do. And you have no problem doing that because you are now, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He calls you to do something, you simply go and do it. Amen? He's telling us to do this. But if you do not want to give up the old life, it will always conflict with the new life. It'll always, you'll always be a miserable Christian. You can't have both. Either you'll end up just leaving altogether or just being miserable all the way till you go to heaven. And I don't know about you, but I don't come here to be miserable. I come here to get rid of my misery and find joy in my life. Amen? Okay. Now look what it says. Verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Now, he said, God, Paul is saying, instead of that, it has to be replaced now. See, you have to replace that evil nature with being kind to each other, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So in other words, you have to get rid of the evil spirits and fill it with the fruit of God's Spirit. That's, what, that's why we come here, to learn with the fruits of the Spirit that God has planted in us, are uh, here to produce in us. We're to get rid of all that. Look, I'm going to say it again. Look at verse 31. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of harsh words. Get rid of slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. It's telling us to get rid of it. And there's only one way to get rid of that. Is to what? You have to give yourself to Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. You have to submit to his authority and what he's trying to tell you, or else you're never going to get rid of it. He's the only one that can get rid of it, and you have to replace that now. Instead of when you want to be bitter, when that bitterness wants to come out, he says you have to be kind to somebody. So the next time you want to be bitter, you have to replace that with an act of kindness. See, it won't just go away. It has to be replaced with something. Have you not noticed that that doesn't go away? 
when you get bitter? The only thing that's going to get rid of that is says, do not fight evil with evil. Fight evil with what? Good. Here's the problem. We're not doing anything good when we're feeling evil. You have to replace it with something good. So you're feeling bitter and angry, so what do you do? Do something good for somebody. Go help somebody. Do something productive. You have to replace it, though. That's something that you have to do. It doesn't just go away. Have you not noticed? Don't you wish it would just go away? It has to be replaced with something. So what does God say? What does he give us? Guess what he gives us? He gives us the body to get rid of it. Does function in here to get rid of your bitterness and anger and rage and to build his kingdom here. And he gives us a place to do it. And if you're not here, then you can't do it. Then you practice it here. This is, the, this is where the home base is. And then you go practice that out in the world. This is where it all starts. So if you're not here, if you're not part of a body, you cannot be connected to Jesus because Jesus is the head of the body, which is his church. A Christian cannot do this without having a church body. I don't care what anybody says. You can go home. You can read your Bible till you're blue in the face. It is not going to take away your bitterness, anger, and rage. You're still going to act the same way when you get mad. This is the only thing that replaces it. Submitting to God and what he would have you do in his body. Amen? And some of you are learning that now, right? And said, instead, give yourself completely to God. Guess what? He's given us something to get rid of ourselves with, a body. This is giving it to God, whatever he wants. Father knows best, amen? All right. That was a great scripture she put up there. I like that chalkboard. So, okay, we're going to continue in Romans, and we're going to begin in chapter 7, but we're going to have to keep the context by finishing chapter 6, verse 22, and we'll go into 7. So go to Romans 6, 22. Yeah. What did God do for us? Do you realize he freed us from the power of sin? He did that at the cross, by the way. Do you feel like you're freed from it? No, but it did take place. You see, this is the thing that Christians fail to grasp. It is not an emotion, it's a fact. He took that away, you're just choosing to keep using it. He doesn't take away your choice, okay? God, don't you wish he would take it away and just make us God zombies? Right? Yes, Jesus. I love everybody. And then make it, make it like 20 feet, you know? Well, that's what religion tries to make, God zombies, and it doesn't work. Because as soon as they get a chance, they sneak off and be the devil zombie. It's all outward. It's not a change of heart that you want to be like that, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, we need structure, but we need structure that comes from the Word of God, not by some religious human teachings. This is the structure, the Word of God is the structure. So, I just want to say, in verse 6, we talked about what God has done about our sin. And I just want to go over that with you, because this is important to understand what really took place. All right, he has given us a new life, okay? In, verse, in chapter 6, verse 2 to 3, he talks about how sin's power is broken. 
In verse 4, it says, sin-loving nature is buried. We no longer love our sins anymore. That nature, that sin nature, even though we still end up falling, we do not like the sin anymore. That's been killed. You know it as well as I do. When you sin, you don't really like it anymore. But we still do it. But it's been killed off. Now, under, in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 6, he says, You are no longer under sin's control. Now, if you're still being controlled by your sin, you just do not believe what the Bible is telling you. It is no longer your master. The importance, we can be certain that sin's power is broken in our lives. Okay, and he has given us a new nature. In verse 5, he's telling us, now you share in his new life. Okay, then in verse 11, it's saying, look upon your old self as dead, instead to be alive to God. How do you know that you're dead and alive to God? Well, you know you're alive to God. Whenever he wants you to do, you just do it because you love him. You know you're dead to your old life. You don't kick and squirm about it. You just do it. Because you love what he did for you and you love him. You're alive to God now. You are now a slave to Jesus. Boy, it's the best slavery I could ever get into. Amen. Being enslaved to do the right thing produces wonderful results in your life. Okay? So now, in verse 12, he's telling us he's given us new freedom. Do not let sin control you. So now, what is it saying? It is now a choice. It's up to you. Sin does not have to control you if you don't want because you have the power of God living in you. Do I feel that? No. It's a fact. It's written in the Word. Give yourselves completely to God, verse 13. Verse 14, you are free. So you can choose to your own master now. Look, you can choose. You can have the devil as your master or you can have God as your master. Before you had no choice, the devil was your master. You were living in this world under his power, and you had no choice but to follow him. Now that you're saved and born again, you have a choice to live for God. Sin is no longer your master. Amen? And the importance, we can commit ourselves to obey Christ in perfect freedom. I have the freedom to be obedient. Isn't that awesome? Let me tell you something. Freedom is an awesome responsibility, though. You're free to do the right thing. When you don't, you can't say, oh, I, I couldn't. No, you, you chose not to. You see, you chose to not do it. You chose to be enslaved now. Don't blame the devil anymore. The devil has no power over you. The choice is on you now. See, everybody wants to blame the devil. No, no. Blame your choice. It was the wrong one. The devil's always going to tempt you. But the devil never makes us sin. The devil just tempts us. We carry out the sin. He doesn't make us do it. Like Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Remember him? Everybody can blame the devil. Okay. Did we get now that we get that out of the way? Verse 22. But now, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 22, now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a slave of God right now, to be honest with you. And I'm not trying to brag, but what I had to go through today would not make me want to come up here and do this, okay? Because God called me to do it. I'm enslaved to do it. 
I have to do it. I would not be comfortable if I didn't do it. I'm enslaved to it. Just like when you're enslaved to sin, right? You don't want to sin, but you sin anyway. When you're enslaved to God, even though you don't want to do it, you do it anyway. Because you're enslaved to it. It no longer goes by your feelings. It goes by your choices. Okay, well, look what it says. Become slaves of God. Now you do those things. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. So what thing, what helps you lead, um, what helps lead you to holiness? Coming to Bible study, right? Fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters, reading your Bible, sharing with each other. That's what leads to holiness. You see, that gives us, uh, uh, it separates us from what the world does. And it gives us, look, and results in eternal life. What do you mean eternal life? We're not in heaven yet. It's talking about now. You can have that life now. If you're doing the things that the Bible tells you to do, you go to Bible study, you learn His Word, you practice His Word the best you can, you pray, you fellowship with your brothers and sisters, you, you, you get a taste of heaven while you're here. You don't no longer feel condemned or angry anymore because you're actually in the will of God. He knows what you're doing. He knows your heart. He knows we're not perfect. But he knows what direction we're going in. So if you're not experiencing eternal life now, it's because you're just not following his plan for your life. You're still following yours. And to get rid of your plan, it's going to take some time. We all know that, right? My plan and God's plan ain't the same. And to get rid of my plan, I'm a little... I get a little reluctant to want to give up my plans for him, but he's getting them. Because when I don't do his will, my life ends up being miserable. So either I could live in misery and do my will, or be free in his will. See, well, I always thought that if I came to God, he's going to be taking things off of me. No, he's doing things that are good for me. He's taking things that are bad for me, not good He's taking things off of me that are bad for me. He's removing things that hinder me. I thought they helped me, but they're really hindering me. I thought he's taking my life. No, he's giving me my life. Yes. Yes. But you don't see that, but when your eyes are opened, you start to see it after a while. You say, well, now I know why he took that away from me. It has no value. It has no eternal value what, he's, what I want to do. It's all for me. It doesn't help God, and it doesn't help others, and it doesn't help me. Amen? Amen? Look what it says in verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift. We can freely take it. Look, I want that gift, Lord. I want, to be, I want what you have. I want that free gift of eternal life. Help me to live that out now. You've given it to me. I want it. How many of us want to live that now? Wouldn't you want a taste of heaven now in your life after what's going on in that world? Well, you have it if you want it. It's here. You can actually blank all that out. You can block all that out and see what's good right now. Because the devil wants us to see what's bad. Right? God wants to see what's good. There's so much good to be done in this world, right? That we just neglect our spiritual eyes to see. People need help all over the world. 
And we just walk right by them like we're Pharisees. You know, the guy's dead on dying on the street. They walked across the other side. So we got to go to temple. We can't help you. The worldly guy picks him up, takes him to the hotel, and pays his way. The religious people uh, walk around him. Say, I got to go to church. Hello, you go to church so you can do that. Cause you, so you want to do that. Don't use it as an excuse, but you know what I'm saying. If, if God's called, if something happens where you have the opportunity to help somebody and you're on your way to church, by all means, help them. They're coming across, all right. The devil, he tries to hinder our walk. He does. He tries to see how much a burden it is to go to church, how much a burden it is to pray, how much a burden it is to read the Bible, how much a burden it is to help somebody. Hello? Boy, Jesus must have had a lot of burdens because all he did was help people. He didn't even have any money or place to sleep. You know, he might have got one thank you here and there. Amen? All right. All right, Romans 7, no longer bound to the law. We're making some ground here tonight. Thank you. Okay. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. That wasn't the point. This is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, as a result of what happened, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for who? Who are the good deeds for now? They're for God now. They're not for you. You see? Everybody wants good things for them. You do good things for God to do not line up with good things for you. When you do something good for God, it's sacrificing of what you want. <laughs> Look at it says. Look at verse 5. When we were controlled by our old sin nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Now, it's talking about spiritual death. Now, if you're a Christian and you still choose to do sinful things, you will die spiritually. It will kill you again. You will become spiritually dead again because your sin nature is getting the best of you. You will never experience the light of God. Now, look what it says. But now, look what it says in verse 6. You have been released from the law, for we died to it, and now are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law. Now we can serve God, not because we have to, 
Now we can serve God because we want to. See it? But by the new way of living in the Spirit. When you're living in the Spirit, you want to do things for God. See, in the flesh, you don't want to do things for God. In the Spirit, you want to. You want to please God. Because that's why you were created. Amen? Amen? So, but when you're in your flesh, you don't want to do things that please God. You want to do things that please you. And then you get mad at God because he's doing things. He wants you to do things for him and not for you. That's the problem. Look, by living in the Spirit. How do you live in the Spirit? Well, it's by obeying what the Bible tells us. Living in the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Listen, I can go out right now as miserable, as angry as I want to be, right? And then the Bible's saying, because you're like that, Go out and be nice to somebody instead. You can master your sin nature. That's what he's trying to say. You know how you master things? You know how people martial arts and they master things? They, they mind over, they, they master their, their thought process. Well, God's saying you can master your sin nature. All right, I feel like being angry. I feel like last, you know. But no, I'm going to go pray for somebody instead. See, you can master that. But you have to replace it with something when it comes. That's what spiritual growth is. It's not how much the Bible you know, it's about how much the Bible you use. All right, by living in the Spirit, let's keep going. Verse 7. God's law reveals our sin. Oh boy. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. How did I know? I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. See it? Don't steal. Well, I wouldn't know that it was a sin if I did, unless it told me, it told me not to. See it? But sin used this command to arise all kinds of covetous desires within me. Remember I said the wet paint sign? Don't touch wet paint. The first thing you want to do is touch it. If there was no sign there, you wouldn't even think about touching it. It raises something in us, right? You tell the kid, don't go near that plug, it's bad. The next thing you know, he's sticking the butter knife in there. Well, right? If you didn't tell him that, he probably wouldn't even went near it. See what it does? It, it, it makes curiosity come out of us. Why can't I touch it? <laughs> all right, within me. If there were no, Lord should have said, but sin used this command to arise all kind of covetous desires within me. If there was no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life, and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. So when you go try to obey the commandments, it causes spiritual death. The Pharisees were dead spiritually, because that's all they tried to follow was the commandments. They were dead spiritually. They had no heart for nobody. They made them do this, do that, and they couldn't do it themselves. They lied through the teeth. That's what it's trying to say. 
Unbelievable. Look what it says. Look at verse 11. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. They used the commands to kill me. But still, the Lord itself is holy. And his commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring our bold condemnation to death. So we, so we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commandments or command for its own evil purposes. That's how bad sin is. Struggling with sin. Here we go. I love this. Every Christian knows this one, right? How many in the head don't struggle with sin? Well, Paul, explain this a little bit. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not the one really doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. So it's saying it's like being possessed. We get this sin nature, we're possessed by it. Oh, sometimes, right? Why can't I just be nice? Why can't I just love everybody? Why do I always got to get the last word? And why am I always going to get my way? Why are you always going to prove my point? Why am I always going to make it that I'm right and everybody else is wrong? I love this. Now look what it says. I have discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Paul hits it perfectly. This is the most perfect verse for our sin nature explained. Nobody can explain that like... You, you can go to psychology, you can go out in the world, nobody can explain you what's going on inside of you better than that. Go ahead, go, go to counseling, go let all these people tell you. No, it's just in nature, that's all it is. You can't control that. Even the monks try to do that by going up in the mountains. to say, let me get away from it. And they still couldn't get away from it, it was in their mind. The world don't have a solution. Only God does. Church is the solution. Everybody says, no, no, I'm smarter than God. I know what's wrong with people. I know the type A, type B personality, type C. Oh, okay. We're all categorized. No, we're all sinners. It's nonsense. When the Bible explains it clearly, that's why nobody will go to the Bible. Because there's so much truth in there, it'll put them out of business. Right? It'll put them out of business. You won't need to go to the psycho. You won't need to go all in places. All you need to go is to Jesus. Go to church and they'll take care of it. 
No copay, exactly. A big copay. What they do is they charge you $350 an hour to tell you that you're a sinner. <laughs> and you can come in, I'll tell you right away for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a good deal. Throw five in the basket instead. <laughs> Can't even get that. But somebody will pay $500 for them to tell them how to wean themselves off of eating. Some crazy habit. When Jesus tells you to let the Holy Spirit control your thoughts, and that'll govern you. People spend all kinds of money letting, trying to let the world fix them. When the fix is in here. But people won't use this fix. They want a better fix, an easier fix. They don't want to have to make a choice to say no. Am I coming across all right tonight? Okay, amen. The word of God is alive and powerful. This is the most powerful weapon you could have against your sin nature. Now look what it says. Verse 21. I discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Now here's the difference. If you do not love God's law with all your heart, and you keep on sinning, it's not the same thing he's talking about. He's talking about him being saved and going to heaven. Okay, it's different. He doesn't want to do what he's doing. If you still want to do what you're doing, then you have to ask yourself, did I accept him? Now, here it is. But there is another power within me that is in war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, he said a war with his mind. By the way, Paul's mind was renewed for 28 years walking with the Lord, by the way, when he wrote this. Okay, so his mind was already renewed. He was still struggling with sin. So don't think that you're, you're going to get away with not struggling with it. Okay, his mind was renewed with God's truth. It's at war with his mind still. It's still at war with him. Look, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Don't you wish it would just go away? Oh, I want to go to church and I want to go take a shower. And I just want to wash these sins out. Let me go get baptized. Maybe I'll get rid of them all. Look what it says. Oh, what a miserable, doesn't it? It makes us, he, he's saying what a miserable person I am. It was still making Paul miserable after 28 years of walking with Jesus. It was still making him miserable. He still had that force trying to control him. We have to understand that we're still going to fight this no matter how much we've been coming here. Look, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Dr. Phil. Let me tell you, the only one that gets credit for anything in this world is Jesus Christ. Because he gives everybody the power to do what they do, and they never give him the glory. Instead, they want the plaque on the wall that they accomplished it. Whatever, even unbelievers get taken care of by Jesus. Oh, what a miserable prayer. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Where's Jesus Christ our Lord? This is Jesus Christ the Lord. Why do you think 
we do the Bible podcast. Because I want you to learn the power is in Jesus Christ, your Lord. This is where the power comes from. From Genesis to Revelation, don't let anybody tell you different. There's more lessons to learn in Genesis than some of the New Testament. Here's your, you're learning about God now, right? It's awesome, right? Stuff you never even knew before. Because I love you. I do it. Forget it. I want everybody to get this. That's what my job is. Look, it says, Jesus Christ. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God. Now, when I get up in the morning, I really do. I want to obey Him. Don't you? Really? We got to hop for God. We got to, you know, and if you don't have God, then you don't want to obey Him. Listen, it's just that simple. If you don't want to obey him, it's because you don't have him. You don't have somebody you can't obey. You don't have to obey him. If you want to obey the devil, then you don't have God. Don't fool yourself. Everybody, everybody can say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, do you really? Well, then if you believe in him, then you, if you'll obey what you believe. Look, I want to really obey God's word because of my sinful nature. I'm a slave to sin. So I made peace with my sin nature. You see, this is the whole thing. I made peace with it. Now we get mad because we sin. If you don't make peace with it, you'll be miserable as a Christian. I should know better. I'm, I've been coming, I've been reading. <clears throat> miserable. Instead of saying the days that I made progress and I didn't fall into that trap. Instead of just glorifying God for that. No, always looking at our failures. Instead of the victories. Look at this right now. You're in Bible study right now. You're doing the right thing. How about giving you some glory for that to God? He got you here safe. So what? You didn't, you, you, you didn't, you weren't perfect today. It's progress, not perfection. It's the more I start walking, with the, the more I walk with the Lord, the less I want to do what's wrong. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to fall. When I do, that's what his grace is for. Get back up. You're forgiven, John. Forget about it and keep moving in the right direction. Instead of giving up and going back into the world again. People want to go back in Egypt. So it's easier to go slavery again. It's better for me to just go back in the world and find comfort there. Because this journey is too hard. It's only hard because you want to do what you want. The journey's not hard when you want to do what he wants. The journey's hard because you want what you want and you don't want what he wants. If you want what he wants, then it's a joy. Use me. What, did I say? Uh, what was it, Isaiah? Use me, Lord. Here I am. Horseshack. Yeah, ooh, Lord. Hey, I need somebody to um, help somebody tonight. Yeah, use me. Oh, I can't get anybody to do anything. I'm busy tonight. I, I can't. I got to do this. The game is on. Oh, I just live for Jesus, though. This is what it's about. It's about, do you really live for Jesus? When it comes to not doing something that you want to do and obeying something that he wants you to do. That's how you know. 
It's easy to serve God when things are going, when, when, you're, when you're, your schedule's open. But is it easy to serve God when it takes you away from your schedule and your traditions? And says, no, I want you here. Oh, but no, I got to do what I got to do. Well, then you're doing it for you, not for him. That's why you struggle with God. Very simple. That's all it is. It's because you want what you want. You don't want what he wants. And then you get mad when he takes it from you. When he takes it from you, it's because you don't want to give it up. And when he's saying, if I t if, listen, he's saying to you, let me take this from you, right? I got something better for you. No, I want both. I want to keep this and what you got for me. All this in heaven too. I want, I want to fill my tomb with all my stuff. Remember King Tut's tomb? Boy, they loved all the mummies there. The gold didn't go. They robbed it all. They thought they were taking it to heaven. Oh, I got a plan. Listen. A life to live will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. From here on in, as a believer, only what you do for Jesus has any eternal value. That's it. Everything else is getting burned up. So if you think that you're doing God's will by serving yourself, you are only deceiving yourself. Some of us are stubborn and we don't want to give things up. And God says, okay, guess what? I'll let someone else do it for me and let them get glorified. Let them do it and get the reward for it. Believe me, if God wants somebody saved and he wants to use you and you don't do it, guess what? You lose out and somebody else gets the choice to do it. Believe me, God doesn't need you. He wants to actually use you, but he doesn't need you. He's given you the opportunity to serve him, which is an honor. It's an honor to serve God and deny what you want. There's so much better. That's what keeps me from doing what I want, which is what destroys me. Because I can never get enough of what I want. God says, no, you can never get enough of what I want. That's what I'm going to give you. More, Lord. I want to serve you more. That's, that's the heart of God. What can I do for you, Lord? Use me. I'm the problem. I see it. Paul knew he was the problem. He knew he was the problem. And he knew Jesus was the solution. When are you going to realize that you are the problem? It's not the world or the people. It's you. And then when you say, I'm the problem, God says, good, now I can do something with you. Now I'm going to give you a solution. I'm going to take you, which is the problem, throw you in the ground and bury you, and raise you up and give you my, my life now, which is the solution. Amen? All right, we're out of time. <laughs> it went by quick, right? But anyway, I... We'll continue in Romans 8 when we get back together again. Just keep everybody in prayer. Keep me in prayer as I go through this procedure tomorrow so everything turns out well. And uh, Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close. And Jasmine. And we're going to close.